Welcome to the Global Spin Podcast with me, Ryan Kramer, where we take a deep dive into the world of global selling and share the secrets to growing your brand in new markets. Whether you're looking to expand your brand, enter new markets, or boost your sales, we've got you covered. Tune in for unscripted, engaging episodes that will take you on a journey of discovery and success. Let's get started. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Global Spin Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is my corner of the internet where I bring the best and the brightest in the Amazon e-commerce and logistics space. We are having an unscripted conversation ready for you today, and we appreciate you turning, uh, joining us, uh, whether you're watching us on social media, whether it be LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, or if you're watching us or listening to us on your favorite podcast destination, watching us, you can do that on frisbee.com uh, forward slash Global Spin Podcast of course, but if you're listening to us on your favorite uh, audio destination, that can be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever uh, your heart desires, we'll be there. All you have to do is just search the Global Spin Podcast and we'll be there to uh, go through all of our amazing guests and episodes um, with the Global Spin Podcast. If you're new to the show, this is uh, episode, I want to say number eight or nine, um, but we're just chugging right along. My goal for this podcast is always to help brands take it to the next level, whether it be you have just started out on your journey being an entrepreneur, doing this full-time, part-time, but you want to make, take that next step. Um, here at Frisbee, um, every episode is brought to you uh, and fueled by Frisbee, which is helping brands take their brands to the next level in different markets, growing internationally on Amazon and beyond. But uh, with the podcast, my goal is to make sure that you get golden nuggets from these experts, uh, service providers, brands in the space who have done it for a long time. We've had brands on in the past who are doing six, seven, eight figures, in uh, Amazon, been doing it 10 plus years. Um, we've had Amazon agencies, we've had service providers, we have the whole gauntlet here on the Global Spin podcast. But my goal is to make sure that your time you spend here is worthwhile. So, that being said, this podcast is definitely and uh, 100% not just me talking. So, you don't have to worry about hearing or just listening to me talk the whole time. But I bring on fascinating and interesting people I think is going to help you grow your brand in this space. So I reach out individually. I always make sure that this is not just a, an open forum. Whoever wants to join the podcast, come on in. I actually individually reach out and invite people who I think are doing great things in the space, have great stories to share, uh, so on and so forth. So uh, that being said, want to bring on our our guest today. Who, his name is uh, David Ledbetter. He is the co-founder and CEO of Better Led Consulting, which is an Amazon agency. Uh Really, literally right down the street from me. Um, we could have probably done this in person, but that's okay. Uh, this is always nice to do from the comfort of your own office or home or wherever you might be. But uh, he is, he's located here in uh, Indianapolis, Indiana area, just like myself. And uh, uh, I actually titled this episode, which is one of the funner ones I've had uh, coming up with, um, thanks to some creative juices in my brain. Uh, the brand slugger, How a Baseball Pro Dominates the Amazon Game. And yes, he did play baseball, and yes, he is in the Amazon game. So I'm not lying about the title, but why don't we go ahead and bring him in, and uh, let's just chat for a little bit. So David Ledbetter of Better Led uh, Consulting, thanks for joining us on the Global Spin Podcast. Uh, it is a pleasure to be here, Ryan. Thank you for at least bringing me on. Love the introduction. <laughs> <clears throat> you definitely, I feel like I'm, I will add as much value as I possibly can to anyone listening to this. That's I sure. know you got it in you, so that, that's why I invite you on. Uh, I have... I have batted a thousand. I'm going to keep using all the baseball puns like we were talking about this. I've batted a thousand with all my guests. 
no one's let me down yet thus far so you won't be the first i, I promise you that hey thanks for coming on um uh again uh welcome to the the podcast uh, i'm not sure if you've been on one before but uh when we talk in person and we've met multiple times in person you always have all these awesome nuggets and, and insights on you as a person but your background is so fascinating which is why i think why you have a, such a cool perspective on on the space so maybe kind of give an insight of where you were and obviously you have this this cool athletic background um and then obviously you've gone into the consulting and the amazon space so Let's start from the beginning. Uh, how did you get into sports and uh, what led you to baseball? Yeah, that is a wide, <laughs> a very uh, wide question there, but I'll try and jump in with just kind of like my baseball history and then how that kind of like permeated to where I'm at in Amazon. But in baseball, it's kind of like, you know, we were just talking about Little League Baseball beforehand. Yep. Um, you know, you've got an eight-year-old. I've got two sons, both under the age of four, though, so I'm just having them run out and get as much energy out as possible. They're already but, pitching. They're already in the backyard. Just throwing heat. I, I right? will say we're, we're trying to get that, you know, pronation, supination, make sure that it's, it's locked in. <clears throat> but I would say at a young age, you kind of know what your, what your sports are good at and whether or not you're really good at sports. So like, and baseball, if you play sports, was, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I was back then I was super chubby. Like I could hit, hit bombs and throw really hard. I couldn't run that fast, but but both of those skills like worked out, worked themselves out over time to be on the baseball field, and then ultimately went to Cedarville University, got drafted, and then played the minor leagues for six years. Never got a cup of coffee in the big leagues, but mm. retired in 2018, and then um, here we are with Amazon. But I would say that time in the minor leagues, and even just curating that experience over and over of picking up the ball, trying to stay healthy, and learning discipline and a lot of humility too, whether or not you want to, to have that, those traits among many others have worked themselves into the business realm. And I think that's been a lot of fun to be able to see that. And Amazon is just one of those places that you can do so many different things. And obviously with that, with many things there, there needs to be focus. And so it's been really fun to do that on both our own private label side, but also on the agency side. And, uh, but that's how I got in. I had a buddy of mine who went, who went to Cedarville university and then started wholesaling on Amazon. And now he's still doing that and, uh, has a really good business, but also has some private label brands that he, he started. And, uh, he just taught us, Hey, I just want to know how to, I want to teach other people how to do what I'm doing because anyone can do this. And so right. I'm an identical twin. He also got drafted to the Texas Rangers. Same year as I did. We got to play <laughs> multiple years in the minor leagues. Um, so very thankful for that time, but Rob, Rob Nestroff is his name. Rob was like, Hey, I'll teach you guys how to do this. And that is how we got started in Amazon was just wholesaling. Um, and then ultimately moved to trying to move towards an agency. Cause we were coming in contact with brands that definitely needed help in just creating more discoverability for their brand. Like, how do I actually set myself up to be successful? How do I run PPC? Like, how do I, there's so many tools available on Amazon. How do I leverage these to the best of my ability and in an efficient way, depending on what you want to do. Um, and that's how it started. And then, so then we developed a couple of our own private label brands. Some have done well, some have not done well. Like it's just give and take some on both sides. We've had success and failure, but you can't have success without knowing what the failure is like. And exactly. There's a lot of learnings there. Yeah. So kind of backing up and, and picking apart, uh, which is a cool, really, really cool story. And that's what I love about, 
you know, the space I live in is is getting asked those questions and not everyone's the same, right? There's no same business model. There's no same brand. You can't literally cut and paste the same, um, the brand over and over again and, and get the same success. It's just impossible. So you went to school at, at your university, Cedar, Cedarville University, which is where? Again, the, the Cedarville University. Okay, no, Cedar. no. okay I was going to say, well, it's the title. <laughs> it's uh, it's in literally Cedarville, Ohio. Okay, middle of these cornfields. It's forty five minutes from Dayton, Ohio, but more central Ohio. And there's, if you look up Ohio and look at the number of universities and colleges there, it, I think it's like over two hundred fifty. It's it's crazy. So it's just a small Christian school, and uh, we went to just. You have to decide who you want to be. And I don't think a lot of kids think about that. Like, what kind of man do I want to become? And that was one of the questions that we asked ourselves before we, you know, committed to a, a school and Cedarville really checked that box for us. And we were going to be able to play baseball as well. And so had a great time. Definitely went with my brother and then uh, my high school sweetheart at the time, she went to Cedarville as well. And now we're married with three kids. There so you go. Crazy. Nice, nice story in the on the personal front too. So going there, you're obviously a student athlete. Were you? You're not. You're not obviously um, planning to graduate in Amazon. You're you're graduating. What, what's the focus there as a as a student athlete? I went to do accounting and finance, so I was going to do a double major, um, okay. but never finished. Got drafted in, as a junior, but finished with finance. But the accounting background is extremely helpful, just to how to leverage numbers and how to use numbers within your business. So, and you can do that with finance as well, but I've always been fascinated with how money works in everyone's life. So not just in a business, it's obviously almost more fascinating in a business as you're around it. Cause you can, there's so a plethora of options that you have, especially as your business grows. But as it relates to finance in general, like always, always had an interest in that. And I would love to start a personal finance blog at some point or, uh, some kind never of never too late podcast dude, or anything of that sort. It's never too late. We'll get it. I have this crazy idea and I'll do this on the podcast, but I've got this mask and I'm like, dude, I'm going to make, I'm going to call it Mando's money and teach people, <laughs> teach people how to save, save themselves up to a million bucks, you know, as fast as possible. That's awesome. I like that. I like the concept. And uh, it seems like, I mean, I have some things in the background. You can probably see of a lot of Marvel little figurines and things like that. Comic books. I'm a huge nerd. No one just knows it. Um, I only tout it when it's applicable on, you know, public <laughs> internet public podcast in my in my safe corner of the internet. So, um that's that's awesome. I love the love the idea. Uh but it's good to have a money background I think as a startup business. Uh I've always touted and it's fascinating on the service side and me being in Amazon and e-commerce for 8 years. There's a lot of there's a lot of missteps when it comes to the financial side of things of like misstep misstepping or knowing like your numbers, for example, of how much I should actually be selling versus how much I am selling uh, a product for. Uh, there's just the, the math. You can't make um, fit your numbers. Uh, math is math. It, you can't fudge those things um, when it comes to finances. Um, so it's always frustrating to see a client who's like, hey, why can't I make more money? Well, uh, you're selling it for too little and you, you bought it for too much. And, and economics 101 tells you that you will never make a profit. So it's just things like that when uh, I'm sure you've had clients in that space. Is that is that frustrating coming from a, a financial lens to see who you want to work with and what brands you want to take on as clients? That's a great question on the agency. On the agency side, I'm always very forward about what we can do and what the cost is going to be to their overall business. So like okay. they get a profitability report each month as well to say like, here's all of our fees. Here's all of your fees. If you want to give us your cogs, that's great. You don't have to. Obviously, you're going to sign like 
documentation that shows like, we're not going to be able to use your information, but I can be as detailed as I want in there. And so you always want to be upfront about what, what are the goals? And if it is to keep and grow profitability, then let's do that and let's stick to that. But I would say on, on uh, our side as well, like we've experienced what that's like on the private label side where you launch a product, you're like, okay, here's my expected cost. Here's what my revenue is. And and you basically forecast what you're going to do. But like when COVID came around, you have no idea what's going to happen. You buy at the wrong time. Like we bought a bunch of um, plastics uh, for, for a category that we had and just got dominated because the, the price that we bought at was like the peak of COVID when prices just got insane we purchased and then prices have since gone down over, I think 60 or 70%. So we can't compete, but it's like, well, I'm just going to go ahead and, and shoot for the moon here and just sell out that product regardless. But you have to kind of like take, you, we always say you have to get in line with what is, you can't change what the present is. Yeah. Sorry. We just had a, a an unexpected guest on the podcast here with my dog, everyone who's listening. So uh, <laughs> he, he's excited to always make an appearance on the podcast or at least he tries to. So that, that was a ill attempt by me to keep him out of the shop, but uh, no, that, that, that makes sense. Uh, I, I think like as people, unfortunately it's, it's the timing aspect, right? It's um, when people buy too much or too little, or they, they, they can't forecast appropriately. And, and again, not, not to say that you, um, you did anything wrong. It's just like with economics in general or world economics. Um, I was a guest on a podcast on um, uh, it started a puzzle with uh uh, Markinolo- uh, with Andrew Morgans of Markinology. He's an agency uh, owner as well. And uh, he said there's a lot of things that people um, and brands that he's talked with, um, you know, just the economics of business and, and uh, selling internationally or sourcing from different countries around the world. Um, you just have to be mindful of when you sell in different countries. There's always these notions of, hey, the value and strength of uh, a currency versus where you are versus where you're, you know, where you're selling. Um, people don't understand that hey, in Canada, the dollar is stronger there than it is in the United States or was recently, or it, it might yeah. have changed since I last look. Uh, I was just in Europe on vacation, and when I'm buying things um, there, my dollar doesn't translate to euro as much. I actually lose seven cents on every euro um, at the time I was there. And uh, if I had a product here in the United States and I was a pro- product in uh, Europe and I bought the same exact thing, nothing was different, I'm actually losing money when I purchase it there with uh with euro instead of a dollar here in the united states so it's funny to see like people go into stores and they're like oh i'm gonna buy dolce gabbana here in uh in italy which is where i was and i was like you could have just done that back at home and probably saved yourself seven percent and that's the economist in me i'm like why would you buy it something you could buy it back at home there and it, it, it's a it's a thing about um <laughs> where you buy it the where, where the money's coming from so um Especially on the Canadian side, like that's something that we've always tried to tweak a little bit is like you can you can mess with pricing. And the other part is if you have a really, really large brand and you have you got to participate in map pricing, you have to be consistent um, with what you're doing. That makes it almost more difficult. But if like you just have a brand that's private on Amazon, you have so much more leverage to like move up and down on that price, which I don't think people do enough. Like we do that with some of our brands that can do that. But it's. And it's always easier to go down than it is to go up. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, absolutely. You you never want to short yourself um, the value. The value is what you place on it, and obviously you can you can you can discount it and go from there. My 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 efforts always when I was selling on direct to consumer was hey keep the price high, 
feel make people feel like they're getting a deal, whether it be high and they, they buy arbitrarily, they don't use the discount code. Um, this is back in 20, you know, 14 to 16 when I was, you know, selling garden flags online on our website, you know, you would price them at, you know, MSRP prices, uh, and drop it where we could be competitive and be, have a discount and there are products. So we were manufacturing, we knew our cost. Um, but make people feel like they have a deal, like putting a coupon code releases dopamine. It makes you feel like you've gained system or you've, you've, you know, you've got one over on the company when in fact, if you look across the board at, you know, people and how their pricing strategy, a lot of the times they just list the price a lot higher constantly and they will always drop it down to that basement price where they know they feel comfortable with. So it's never a gaming of the system. There's always a, that's why they price it so high so they can drop it down and, and make those margins in between. So do you remember like Jose bank? You ever yeah, exactly. Dude, yeah. The kings of that. They'd always be like, oh, buy three suits, get one free, or, or buy three suits at 60% off, and here's another one. I, I, I never, I always thought that made Jose Bank look cheap, even though they were, they're, you know, stuff they're selling is $699.99. If you go in there, it's like, oh, I just bought four suits for $400. And, in, in wording always in a, it matters in the space too. When a lot of people say it's, you know, buy, buy two, get one free. Well, you're actually buying the two most expensive ones and getting that one free. Or if you're doing buy two, get two, um, you know, the math always works in the favor of it's only supplied to, you know, the most expensive ones. And when you actually discount it at the end of the day, it's never 50% off. It's really like 20% or 25% because the math works out of, hey, you're getting, you're buying two at full price, you get two at 50% off. Well, if you put it all together, it's really, you're only getting a 25% discount. So again, making the math work for you or how you package it. it, it it's not deceiving, but it's always, you know, it's always a, a mind game of how people think and how to upsell and how to, how to get people, you know, purchase more. Exactly. Like I, I mean, we're getting in the much more of a the psychology side of buying. And so like, even when you think about bundles, it's the same idea, but mm-hmm. it comes back to the profitability too. So like, which, which item do you actually want to get in the hands of your consumer that's actually going to build your brand if you have if you're wanting to build a brand instead of just having like one product um but it, but to we're we're getting we're deep into it we'll need another episode for that exactly uh for the for the psychology uh, moments that we can get in and bring you back and talk about it more but uh, i, I kind of want to go back to our our initial topic of the com- the competitiveness of you as when, when you're going into the league when you're drafted, obviously that that's your job, right? And it's no secret that being a professional athlete, there's there's nothing else that you need to focus on. If you're not in season, you're in the off season training and in baseball, there there's very little downtime. Like you as a pitcher, um, for the position you played, that's a very competitive space and you have to take care of your arm and you have to constantly work at it um all year round. When when was the when's the conversation happening when you're in the minor leagues that that next step has to be anything after baseball of, is it scary to talk about? Or is it like, thank God, like I, I see an exit or I see my, you know, my, my, my way out of baseball and I want to move on. Like, well, what's that conversation like in, in your own head about that? I would, that question is one that a lot of people will, I think, shove to the side. Um, a lot of times when you have the opportunity, that window of opportunity to be, in baseball, like in the minor leagues, you really, you really don't have that much time. So you might think, okay, Hey, if I'm like a first round, second round draft pick, obviously you're going to get more opportunities, but if you're a lower round draft pick, your, your opportunities are limited. 
And if you mm -hmm. don't excel at there in those opportunities or, you know, like when an opportunity arises, then your windows, it closes. And at that point you have a decision to make about like, how long do I actually want to stay in this? Or do I just want to, do I not know what I want to do? And I don't think a lot of people think about where they actually want to be. And if you just had a game plan for, all right, if it doesn't work out this way, then I'm going to do this thing. And then you never want to have, I think people get upset, especially in the professional athlete space, like with not thinking about plan B, like I'm burning all the ships. It's only, I'm only making it. And when you think like that, I think it actually very much limits you. So that's my hot take for the day is that, yes, you should be going all out on plan A, but you should also have plan B to think about because it's not, it's truly not like you need that much time to focus on plan A. It's again, comes back to the, just the discipline of what can I actually do? That's going to move the needle on me getting better. If that's my mental game, then I need to focus on my mental game, but I can't do that for 24 hours a day. If it's my physical part of my game, then I need to, I need to focus on that, but I'm, it's not going to take 24 hours out of my day. Like I need to get my sleep. I need to get my nutrition. I need to make sure that I'm sharpening my skills as it relates to my mental prowess and my, my creating that peak performance level. But you, there are so many other opportunities for you to still be thinking about what I can do in plan B. And so in, in today's realm, it's like, how do I build a brand while I am in that, while I'm in that space? And I don't think a lot of people, not like literally an Amazon brand, but like even just your personal brand and what you do and what you're passionate about, that's a great time to find out about it because you're going to have downtime in the minor leagues. You're going to have downtime in professional sports. It's just what you do. So I, that's kind of my, my feeling on it. But for me, I was always, I've always been just extremely curious. So in my, in my own personal experience, I was always thinking about, Oh, plan B, like, finished my degree while I was still playing, got a master's while I was playing. And that's really because I didn't really still know what I wanted to do. Everyone's like, Oh yeah, you know, you can keep, you can keep going to school, get a master's. But I feel like now what I tell other people is, Hey, just get out there and get experience in something that you want to do. Um, because that's going to give you probably more important wisdom as it relates to your career in the in your future than a master's degree well like i got an mba so it's not like i have like a ma master degree in informatics or data analysis exactly. or anything, which i would which i would i wish i would have been more focused or had a degree that was focused on one thing but it didn't so that's kind of what that's kind of my approach to if you're and i think that relates not just to professional athletes but really anybody like even as you're in college that's what that is a great time for you to be thinking about what do I actually want to do and like game plan. Um, so that's yeah, that's great advice. And, and I can't imagine, again, you said a lot of downtime and a lot of people think, you know, baseball players, I mean, there's 162 game season. It's a lot of, but for pitchers, you know, it's once every, if you're a starter, once every five to seven uh, days, or it just depends on the rotation. And for the non-sports fans out there who are listening to this and, Thought you were on an e-commerce slash business podcast. You are, uh, but but I, I think like for for what you brought up, the downtime and planning on what's next, and not having a roadmap of what you want to achieve, and you're only playing reaction. That that's the worst kind of athlete that you can only be reactionary. You want to be proactive. You want to make sure that you're securing yourself up for again the future, whether it be financially or um, you know physically, um, on what's next and, and and getting yourself in shape and mentally prepared there's a lot of aspects that you have to you know take into account and same for business owners um people who launch their brands you know they're they're either reactionary to you know what sales are today but they're not forecasting months in advance for 
hey, is there going to be issues with my supply chain? Or um, what if Amazon takes down my listing? Am I secured and can have those recoverable assets in, in another warehouse? Or can I sell on my own direct to consumer website? All those things that lead a brand to this global brand or this larger and, and becoming like an actual business and not just a seller. Yeah, that that is a big difference, different in change uh, mentality, I think, for a lot of brands that we work with. Um, let me go ahead and take a quick break. Uh, again, for, for those who are joining us, uh, the Gold Spoon podcast is brought to you by Frisbee. It's fueled by Frisbee. I like to play with alliterations, helping brands and Amazon sellers take their business to the next level. If you have questions or want to sign up for uh, a free trial with Frisbee, a trial meaning it's free to sign up and you can actually figure out how to expand your brands and uh, business into different businesses worldwide. If you're ex- wanting to think about growing into Australia, growing into the UAE, or even France or Germany or Spain, go ahead and check out frisbee.com forward slash global spin podcast or sign up for free today at frisbee.com. Um, I have David Lever of Better Lead Consulting. David, when you're when you're growing and you're learning Amazon, like you're, you, you referenced uh, your buddy who you learned wholesaling from, what led you to become both the seller, but then eventually becoming an agency owner? What was that journey like for you? I think it comes back to just the competitiveness, but also winning as a team for us, at least for me, like wholesaling was, was a lot of fun because you're getting something started and you can literally just grind it out. And if I look at my career, if you guys look at my stats, like you'll be like, dang, this guy sucked. But <laughs> trust me, I picked up the ball every five days. Like I took care of the, the tangibles and the intangibles. Um, that's why I was able to, to play so much during my career. But you do the same, you do the same thing in wholesale. Like you just pick up the phone, you get your accounts, you make your orders, you had to pack, ship those, and it just becomes a cycle and you just build this system that's supposed to work. And, but over time, like I didn't want to just pack boxes all the sure. time. It was so much more fun to, to be involved in the strategy and then figure out, okay, what can I actually do? And what levers can I pull to actually grow this business tangibly to where I'm like, oh, dang. We got some, we got some momentum here and like, what can I do with that? And so on the wholesale side, it was easy to just reach out to some of our partners or some of our, some of our uh, key contacts, I would say, and just say like, Hey, would you guys be interested in us running part of your business for you? And that is how it started. We basically got two accounts from that and did well, did what we were supposed to do. I think that's the hardest part is just doing what you're saying you're going to do as an agency. I feel like so many people come in like, Hey, we're going to like triple your business, blah, blah, blah. Or you don't pay. I'm like, this is what I can do tangibly based on the volume that I see and what I'm seeing in the market and your demand. Does that sound interesting to you? Sure. All right, let's talk about it. So moving from wholesale to agency on my side, it was just less packing. I didn't, I, I had a more, involvement in people with people than I did without people. And you can do this across pretty much any, any category on Amazon, because the levers that you pull are going to be very, very much similar in terms of how to grow the business. It's just the tools and then maximizing the tools. We always, and here's a baseball thing for you. So you have your talent and then you have your skill and all you, your talent can only reach so high because you, that's all you're allotted. But you on your skill side, you can all you what you're trying to do is increase your level of skill to match that of your talent so that you have back, fully maximized your potential. And that's what you try and do on the brand side, too. But the, a lot of those skills in terms of what it relates to Amazon is just tools. What am I doing on the ad side? Do I have my 
front end, back end optimized as much as possible? Am I partnering with other brands that need to bring off-channel traffic to my Amazon store? How am I leveraging off-channel traffic? Am I leveraging the, the brand that I've already built on D2C and also on social media to be able to pour into how I perform on Amazon? So, I mean, it is a total package, but there's so many things that you can pull. And I think that's what attracted me to, hey, can I, can I do this with, with other brands? And so it's been a lot of fun. I, I don't feel like we've been doing it that long. So yeah. I mean, you guys have been around, how long has the agency been uh, like out there and, and actively running? Basically since 20, I think to 2021. Okay. So yeah, you guys are a fairly agency. new agency. So with that being said, you, you talked about maximizing opportunity. How do you, how do you do that as a company? Whether it be, is there tools or is there, what, what's your guys' take on if a brand walked to your door and saying, Hey, this is where I'm at right now. And obviously there, there's, there's this gap, right. Of, maximizing potential there's a ceiling to that in in theory but how do you know what that ceiling is for a lot of these brands like what, what's that gap that you can for say you say you guys are at 40 percent right now but we can take you to 100 and this is how a lot of it has to do with like even how we outreach is like i just want to reach out to brands that i know we can make a difference for if someone's just crushing it already and then I come to them and I say like, oh, I can do all these things on the front end, back end of your listings. Like I, that's probably not necessary. You've got a team that's already doing that. What I can do is say, hey, let me check your, let, let's check your PPC performance and see if we have anything that we can add on that side. You know, are you using DSP? Okay. What's that look like? But other than that, I'm, I'm always very honest and it really comes back to like, what are your actual goals? And then leveraging tools, just like Helium 10, that's what we're certified in is, okay, can I track the demand? What's the market look like? Is there a market trend? And you can just track that based on a lot of search volume is what at least what we use mm -hmm. because you're able to see kind of like what phrases are working. And Helium 10's been fun with like Google, the Google side, but I don't know if they're, I don't, I don't know if anyone from Helium 10 is going to listen to this, but I think on their- All of them listen to this. Don't ever doubt this podcast power. It's well, uh, everyone from Helium 10. The Google side so that your Google search volume um, is locked in rather than algorithmic, but that's- neither here nor there. So, but we, I love what they do on Amazon. Um, and that's generally how we work out the supply and demand is like, what's your market take? And if a brand will let us in to see like their brand analytics, then you can see a lot more in terms of their market share and for those specific phrases you, and words that are going to yeah. drive the business. Do you use a lot of it just based on Amazon potentiality or is there, is there after Amazon, right? There's like that step of building brand on Amazon, but then there's also building a like a global brand. And I always say that a global brand can be touching multiple markets, different countries, uh, different abilities to be in retail or not. How do you do you guys step above and beyond just Amazon or what's the take on that? We stick I stick to what we know and what we know we can perform on, which is typically Amazon. Helium 10 works with Walmart really well. And so we can integrate on that side and we have, but I always just, I try and keep it as specific to Amazon as possible for now. I think our next step would be moving into like Google ads and then drawing traffic, basically partnering with Amped, which is that, which is a super mm -hmm. solid tool if you've never heard of it. Yeah. Um, and letting them kind of draw traffic off, off Amazon and bring it into Amazon just through Google ads, but then moving to like D to C sites and actually turning into the full blown marketing agency or digital agency That'd be awesome. But I really want to be good at this one thing, which is Amazon right now. Yeah. You have the headshot concept and you want to be good at Amazon and Amazon loan. But within that ecosystem, I'm curious, I'm going to, I'm going to press a little here within the Amazon ecosystem, as we know that there's multiple markets and besides just.com, are you guys exploring what's the world of Amazon and their 20 plus marketplaces? Do you guys explore in those venues and how do you become 
you know, the masters of more and more Amazon marketplaces. Mm. Each and every different country is unique and different. How are you guys going to press in, in that direction? We haven't, we haven't even pushed on that side. A lot of our, I would say our clients are not large enough to where that's significant to them yet. Um, so we pretty much stick to anyone that is in the NARF program. And those are just the marketplaces that we do stick to. But if you think that we should expand, hit me up. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this after this, but like there are, I mean, I think each client has a unique, I would say value proposition that could be used at any across the world. I right. think the next part is just making sure that you're, again, the front end, back end and making it listing ready is conducive with the way that that marketplace operates. Absolutely. Well, there's, and as we, as, as anyone would say in the, in the expansion side of things is there's always going to be opportunity. Um, what I hear a lot from people say, especially from the Amazon side of things, when their employees are talking to us, you know, the categories just aren't available and, and, and people just refuse to put products in. Canada FBA marketplace. So they actually have a lot of Canadian sellers. It's funny enough, or buyers, excuse me. Um, a lot of buyers will actually, um, they will, they will buy on.com from Canada and they will drive across the border. They will ship it to a Canadian post PO box and they'll have it shipped there because what they're trying to order isn't available on the catalog for Amazon Canada. So again, NARF kind of is that half step into there, but if you have successful clients, Frisbee will always tout there. There's a good statistic um, from Amazon directly. They actually say when you're going from NARF to Amazon directly in fulfillment centers in Canada, there's a forex lift in sales directly um, just by being available on uh, Amazon.ca and have their listings available. But their products is in a fulfillment center in Canada, and that's because of organic rank, how, where it is, uh, where that product's you know obviously actually, available, look. and it, it's within exactly it can get there and in prime in one or two days and um 90 of all canada's uh population is within you know three hours of the border so a lot of it's just south of canada but if you can have your products avail readily available there is a uh, statistics that show there's that lift um for for brands who are doing you know marginally well in canada but you can see that lift um it's not a one-to-one -one ratio and that's what a lot of you know people think is that Hey, my success should mirror what I do in .com, and that's just not the case. But if you have supplemental growth and opportunity in a marketplace like Canada, and you can see a lift in three to ten percent, or uh, in Germany, you know, three to five percent, or or ten percent, depending on who you are, you might be first to market, and that that lift can can certainly add to that bottom line um, for growth. So there there's that opportunity we thought, but uh, not not to say that you guys shouldn't be focused on that, but that's a lot of agencies are coming to us and saying, hey, we have that, we need that lift to help see those clients take that next step in that level. Uh, traditionally, Canada's first, then you go on and in, into different markets depending on seasonality and so far. But that's my soapbox for the day. Uh, I was going to say, let's get let's get that rolling. Yeah, no, there, there we go. Uh, you heard it here first on uh, the Global Spin podcast, but we'll talk more about that off air. Um, but what, what, when you guys were, were talking about uh, building this agency, uh, David, what was there a specific focus you wanted to work on? You said, hey, we have brands that are not as small or, or big and ready for that. Are you, are you guys targeting a certain area brand or a certain niche uh, category? What, what, what's that, that sweet spot for you guys that you wanted to and or want to work with? I would say it's not a specific category as much as it's like revenue and then how much can we actually feasibly do? Because my job is to figure out how to build a great business on Amazon for good people. Like 
yes, you'll get your fair share of bad apples, but how can I make something that's long-term and will essentially let us just run a lot of the business. And that typically results around someone doing like 30 K, you know, to 300 K a month in revenue, because you, there's so many triggers that you can pull to get them to that next level. And so we've never scaled a business from let's say 1 million to one and a half million a month on Amazon. And so I want to do that, but I think you need to lay the groundwork and figure out how to do that with a smaller person. And then my idea would be, how do I just make the person who's small into that bigger person by providing a more con consultative experience rather than being like, Hey, we're just going to do this one off and we'll be done. See you later. Yeah. So it's you want to be a more. partner and a person who works with those people. Long oh time. yeah. And Thank grooming, you. just grooming the understanding of like, Hey, this one marketplace should interact with what you do as an entirety, as a, as a brand. Sure. Um, and that's, what's, what's fun. But I would say those, the smaller businesses just have, I would say have hit more, more often than the big ones. What does it, does the competitive side of you come out in, in either like earning business from people or when you have a brand and you're working with it and you see that someone is like, keeps eking you out in sales or something, you're not, you're not sure like what their, their edges or competitive advantage is. Does that side of you like take over and make you either a monster or does it really drive you and your team there? I would say here's another hot take on just how agencies, just a lot, a lot of how agencies work. And I think I've talked to you about this is I think that 98%, if not 99% of people are doing the same exact thing across that you are as a, as, as an agency or as service provider. As I say, exactly. Um, I think the way that you change that, and that's just because if you're actually, if you're actively involved with Amazon in instituting new tools and then implementing those tools in for your business, for your clients, like the only way you can just transfigure those in a different way. But ultimately the, the way that knowledge spreads, it's so quickly right now, if you're just actively involved in the learning process and, and actually taking that to heart rather than just saying, Hey, I, it is what it is. I'll see you later. Um, you're going to be ahead of the curve on what everybody else is doing. And you're going to be up to, up to par with what they're doing. So I think the only thing that you can do differently is how you treat your customer, how you treat your client and actively giving them the nurturing that they need over time. And so that's, I think where I get really more competitive is like, I want them to feel like I'm providing them the best service they could possibly get. Oh, like, and what does that look like? Hey, this obviously that has to do with reporting, but is there anything else I can do? Here's how we're going to grow your business X, Y, Z, and just trying to be very pointed about this is what we're doing. This is how we're doing it. And then when it gets done saying, hey, this is this is it's done. What do you think? What can we do better? And then if we just keep doing that over and over, we're going to have a that is how you keep a business, I think. But I don't know. And <laughs> You're still adapting. You're still growing. So, you, I mean, that that's that's far as led you guys um, hasn't led you guys astray. So if, if I'm a if I'm a brand and I'm looking for an agency where I'm looking to, you know, have consultative uh, services potentially with you or someone else out there. What are questions that a brand owner should be asking agencies? And if they are not asking those questions or they're not, they're not getting those answers, then they should be, you know, they should be wary if that's not a right fit. What, what, what do you think the right things that they should be asking? Oh my gosh. I have a piece of paper with <laughs> those questions. But I, I think from the get-go, you always need to ask like, hey, like, can I see your track history? You should, I want to see honesty in, in your performance thus far with the clients that you have had. If it's if I'm the person who's 
interviewing, I want to say, what have you done with people in my space? Are you familiar with my space? And then press on those questions to make sure that they've either done their homework and they want to want to pursue this, or you're going to find out if they, if they haven't done that. And that's not somebody that you want to partner with because then you're just a number. Um, yeah. So I think from clarity from the beginning in terms of what you're selling and what you want to be selling, it has to be congruent with the, the agency that you're looking at. Gotcha. And then let me see, what's another question that somebody probably wouldn't ask? Because if you're saying like, oh, let me see PPC, you know, what do you guys, how do you guys do your SEO? What tools are you using? Everybody's, that's what I'm saying. Everybody's doing the same thing. But in terms of reporting, how, how often am I going to be able to talk to you? Is there an open open line of communication? Like, do you have a Slack channel devoted to just us so that I can have real-time conversations with you about how my business is doing? And so that's a question that I would ask is, you know, what does that look like? Am I just going to get an email? What's your reporting look like? Um, so that I know you can, you're doing the best you can. Because the business owners, their only care should be, if you're doing your, running an agency right, their care should be, how is my business growing? How are you doing that? And if they don't know the answer to that question, then you're probably not doing the best job either displaying it or doing it. Yeah, or the agency, it just might be not a, a good fit for that brand or that personality of a brand over, right? Some people just want to, hey, like check in with me when things are good and they might be hands off, which is nice for every uh, client. <laughs> Those are like the clients who who you just write checks and you know say like, hey, keep growing my business and that's great. And then you have, uh, how, how do you as an agency, like how, how do you guys help set expectations whether it be, you know, a you know, $60 million business or, you know, $600,000 business, you know, pe people at different degrees and scales think that they should be doing different things or they're more hands-on and telling you what to do. Is there, is there, do you see that differentiating factor of like characteristic of a brand owner when they're at a certain threshold, they just trust you or is it, is it vice versa of people who are, you know, just starting out, they're more trusting and then you get more hands-on the, the more the brain grows. I would say it's on what you just said in terms of does a hand, does a brain get more hands-on? I feel like if you're doing like, at least in our experience, the clients that we have who had like over six to 12 month relationships with us, just trust you way more. You're like, Hey, we're doing this. Oh, that's great. What do you need? And then we'll just say what we need. But from the start, if you're, if you're like, when we get started with a client, I just ask, this is, I'll say, this is how we do it. You know, that you're going to get a report each week. You're going to get a monthly report each month. We're going to reach out to you about every single thing that we're doing every day so that you have something tangible that you're holding on to every, hey, this is what I'm doing. And then you're, here's my number. Here's your account manager's number. Here's your account specialist's number. Like we, I try and make it as personal as possible so that they have as much access as they want. Most people stick to email, but it's like, just in case you don't want that, here's all this information. And then ultimately they're going to tell you like, Hey, I really just don't care. Like I want, I, I love the weekly stuff, love the monthly stuff. That's really all I need. And then if I have questions, I'll just reach out to you. Great. We can do that. But you got to set again, like you said, it's just setting expectations. And if you want to win in life, you just set clear expectations. You want to have a great relationship with your wife, set, set expectations, clear the table, make sure everyone knows what's, what's happening. What are the goals? All right, let's get there together. And so if you, if we just did that as humans, we would be in a lot, a lot better space. God, that's such don't. a good, that's such a good place to put the end of the, the episode, man. I love that. Just set clear expectations. That's good. That's fantastic. Uh, oh, wrapping up here uh, with our time together on uh, the global spin podcast, 
let me know. I, I know kind of something that's looming for a lot of agencies, a lot of brands right now is it's Prime Day and it's the worst kept secret in the world when it's going to happen. But with your expectations, what, what are you expecting this year? Are you excited? Are you kind of like you're intrigued by what, what might happen this year? Um, what, what are those expectations for you as a, as a team right now? I mean, everybody wants to, hi- I feel like Prime Day is so hyped up, which is super beneficial to your actual gross revenue. But again, it depends on if you're trying to drive brand awareness, are you trying to drive profitability? But I think if you just take a, a characteristic of, hey, I'm, I'm long-term thinking Prime Day is such an opportunity to actually grow like your new to brand customers and just grow your business, but it's going to, co- it will cost you money. That's mm-hmm. the way I always approach it. Like you could, cause you're going to win on the amount of promotions you can do. You get the amount of discounts you can run. And if you do that prepping up to prime day, which if anyone's here, that's like a, uh, I would say, well, any, really any seller leverage the time around prime day as well. And so that means like maybe you're running higher PPC on the days leading up to and at post um, prime day, because if someone's going to see your product beforehand, they're probably going to look for your, your product on prime day as well. And so even though you might not be paying as much if they know your brand already, then you've built that awareness. And then that's how you get customers in there. As well. I just, there's so many levers that we're going to try and pull and see kind of how this works. But I think that in terms of expectations, I think you'll exceed it. I think the market is corrected kind of, I think everybody's waiting for this looming recession in a lot of ways, but you've seen consumer spending continue to, to continue to accelerate. And I don't know if that's because, we just live in bliss or if it's because like maybe people know something that, you know, I don't know, but I, I will probably be participating somewhat in prime day, but not to the extent that I think I would have in like in other, in other years. Sure. Yeah. Expect the worst, uh, be pleasantly surprised by, uh, the best as I always say, you know, plan for the worst. I expect the, uh, you know, uh, be pleasantly surprised by the best. So, um, David Ledbetter, a better led, uh, consulting, Thank you so much for hopping on today. If people want to reach out, if they want to connect, if they just want to chat Amazon or um, you know baseball or anything like that, how can they get in touch with you? Hit me up. I, I would say on on Instagram. You can reach out to our website. Uh, I'm I'm very open. So I'll, LinkedIn, whatever. I will literally reach out. I will answer you if you have a question. <laughs> you're not a auto, you're not an AI bot on the other no. end waiting to respond to a query of questions. Thank you for your reply. Blah, 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 blah. No, no, no. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll be real. And this, we run the same groups together, and I would like to consult together. Uh, something like that. Those are those are the messages I receive on a daily basis. So uh, it's always fun to understand that people are responding to their own social channels. Uh, you get what you get when you, you type in and chat with Ryan Kramer. So same thing with David Lever. I love it. So, hey, thanks for hopping on today and talking a little bit about your background. Um, your agency, best of luck with you and the team. And obviously at betterledconsulting.com, we'll make sure that we link in the show notes below if you are listening to this, uh, how to find David and his team there. So thanks so much for hopping on uh, the Global Spin Podcast today. Thank you, Ryan, for having me. I hope this was helpful to somebody out there. Oh, no doubt. Absolutely. And uh, thank you so much again. Now, friend of the show, I want to say friend in real life, friend in the show of Global Spin Podcast, you're more welcome to hop back on anytime. I'm, I, I will happy to be jump on. Let's let's check base in a few months and see where we're yeah, at. Yeah, let's check in and see how things are going and going in before. So we'll exactly. We need to go back and get coffee and uh, catch up in real life as well. So thanks again for hopping on. And uh, everyone else, thank you for hopping on and listening to the Global Spin Podcast. Uh, a couple episodes, someone said, thanks for spinning with us. Uh, we're working on a little taglines here uh, on the podcast, but... Uh, Thanks for spending some time listening to our 
uh, guest today, David Ledbetter of Better Lead Consulting. You can reach out to their team at betterledconsulting.com. And of course, you can um, reach out and listen to all of our past episodes. Um, just go back if you're listening to this on all of our channels. And you can actually find us on, again, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Or if you look up uh, Frisbee on YouTube, you can watch all of our past episodes as we release them. We have plenty of brands, plenty of agencies, and uh, more to come with people who are leading the space in the Amazon, again, e-commerce and logistics space. So if you have questions or insights, you can either reach out to us on the social channels or you can reach out to me at ryan at frisbee.com. That's F-R-I-S-B-I.com. And uh, or frisbee, I'm gonna say that again f r i s b i dot com. There you go, I can spell today finally. Um, but you can reach out to me at that email address. And again, make sure you subscribe to all of our podcasts at uh, the Global Spin Podcast, or you just search for us on Google and you'll be able to find all those destinations um, as well. This has been fueled by Frisbee again, frisbee.com. Go and check us out if you want to expand your brand globally uh, through Amazon. It takes Literally, if you miss the sign up and uh, check us out for free, go ahead and look at frisbee.com. Mention that you uh, found us on the podcast as well. So uh, I'm Ryan Kramer. I'm the guest of the Global Spin Podcast. We'll catch you on the next episode uh, here in the near future. Take care, everyone.